Sportsbox fans, and welcome back to Sportsbox. I'm your host, Jude, as always. And the NBA offseason has arrived. You know, it started with the NBA draft, which was filled with plenty of excitement. We saw Paulo Bancaro get, get taken with the first overall pick, which I think to many people was a little shocking. And then the NBA offseason kick-started this week. Um, and even before, you know, everything became official, we already got our biggest news with Kevin Durant demanding a trade or requesting a trade, I should say, from the Brooklyn Nets. In what thought to be potentially one of the best dynasties and not and not just dynasties, but one of the greatest big threes that we have seen. Did anything but succeed. Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving came to the Brooklyn Nets in the 2020-19 season with expectations that were sky high. I mean, we are talking this team came in with basically every year they are without a doubt in the Eastern Conference Finals or they're in the Finals. That's how every season should go for them. But with a plethora of injuries and just not really being able to really be cohesive and stay on the court at the same time, it made it difficult for this team to really get kick-started. And, and, and to me, that's kind of where we saw the downfall of the Brooklyn Nets is they just could never really get started. Um, you know, there was all the hype behind it, but they just could never really get started. In fact, James Harden, Kyrie Irving, and Kevin Durant played a total of 16 games together. 16! They were together for two seasons. Basically one and a half. And they only played 16 games Wild, wild. But we're not here to talk about the downfall of the Brooklyn Nets. And we're here to talk about Kevin Durant and a little bit of Kyrie Irving and a little bit of Rudy Gobert. Because this offseason so far has been it has been a very interesting one, right? We 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 started all with the the Kyrie Irving and his kind of momentum of okay, it seems like he's gonna leave. Is he gonna take that player option? And then he opted to the player option, and then it seemed okay, the Nets are running back, Kyrie Irving staying. Kevin Durant, I mean, he's still on his, you know, still four years on his deal. He's going to be staying. This seems like the Nets are just going to run it back. But then we get word that Kevin Durant requests a trade. And when I tell you I think the NBA world went into complete shock, I mean, everybody on Twitter, everybody in the sports world was like, what is happening? Like, what, what is happening? It seemed that... Not only 10 hours ago, before he had requested trade, everything was fine and Brooklyn was running it back. And then all of a sudden, it's, no, he wants to leave. So before we get further into what this means and the implications for the future, I do think it's a good time in Kevin Durant's career because he's almost 34. Uh, He'll turn 34 in September. To really look back at Kevin Durant and say... Okay, Kevin Durant's on the move. What has he done in the past? And I think it's interesting because we've we've had this talk, and especially in an offseason, we always talk about all-time list. And I think this is a perfect time to bring up the all-time list. And not where, you know, where you have players, but is Kevin Durant in that top 10? And I think it makes it very hard for me to put Kevin Durant in any top 10 list, except top 10 greatest scores of all time. But that's where it gets tricky. And that's where it gets very tricky. 
Because with Kevin Durant, I feel it's important. We have to separate, and this is not just with Kevin Durant. You have to separate the scoring ability with the all-time ability. Or all-time, I shouldn't say ability. The all-time. There is no doubt in my mind that Kevin Durant is one of the greatest scorers of all time. I mean, he is a four-time scoring champ. You know, his his career averages are 29, 27 points a game, um, 49% from the field, 38% from three, 88% from, you know, the free throw line. I mean, this guy is the definition of a bucket getter. When you need a bucket, you're saying, Kevin Durant, you can get me a bucket. But I think we can't get it twisted when we talk about all time. Because there's a lot more that pertains to being an all-time player than being an all-time greatest scorer. All-time greatest scorer, all you have to really do is be a really great scorer. (laughs) Right? I mean, obviously, there's other things that take into consideration. But the general consensus is that when you're talking greatest scores of all time, you're not really talking accolades or other things like that. Right? Maybe scoring champ is really an accolade you want to hold in that category. But when you're talking all time, you're talking everything. You're talking everything. So with Kevin Durant, I think it's a little tough to look at him and say he's a top 10 all-time player. And the reason that I say that is because Kevin Durant, in every stop he's been, has had a pretty perfect situation. Now, not every situation has been as perfect as the one he experienced in Golden State because that was arguably the greatest situation any player could be in. I mean, you have a team that was 73-9 and nine the year before, right? Yes, they blew a 3-1 to one lead, but let's not forget this team still broke the record for the most single-season wins in a regular season with 73. So you go to a team that already just won 73 games. They have the greatest shooter of all time. Clay Thompson is at his peak of his career. Um, you have a lot of other guys on that team. Draymond Green. There's not really a better situation Kevin Durant could have walked into. And what did they do? They won two championships and he won two finals MVPs. So I'm not using that as almost saying like, oh, Kevin Durant, you know, he went to this perfect situation and he had to win. But what I'm trying to say or what I'm trying to argue is that as Kevin Durant, the player, besides that unreal perfect situation, because there's not, I mean, you really can't get close to the perfect situation. But think about when he had Russell Westbrook. And yes, maybe the not as elite James Harden, but we're still talking a James Harden who night in and night out in in those years is still giving you numbers, right? When he was in OKC for those three years, and especially his last year in OKC, he had 16, 4, and 3, and he was shooting 39% from 3. 39% from 3, 49% from the field. So yeah, he wasn't putting up, you know, the numbers he's putting up in Houston, like 30, 36, 34, you know, a year, but he's still putting up really good numbers. And this was coming off the bench. This is coming off the bench. They couldn't win. And yeah, there was a few years, maybe they dealt with injuries, but the fact is they couldn't win and they should have won. They should have won. I mean, you have guys, you had Kevin Durant, who was up and coming, you had Russell Westbrook and all that. But I can hear it. Okay. He was young, whatever. Okay. So he goes to go and say he goes wins. Now he goes to Brooklyn where he's already had that taste of winning. He already knows what it tastes like to win. He knows what it feels like to be a champion. 
So now he says, okay, let me go on my own path. Let me go win. Let me now go win by myself. And not, not when I mean by myself, but let me go win where I'm that guy. And he was still that guy in Golden State, but we all know that's Curry's team. We all know that's Curry's team. There's no getting past it. So why don't I put my dent on a franchise that needs that guy? And that was Kevin Durant in Brooklyn. And that's what we thought, right? But like I said, they only won one playoff series in his time in Brooklyn. One playoff series. One. It doesn't matter how great of a scorer you are or anything like that. You have to be able to win more than one playoff series. And I get it. They were battling injuries here and there. But for a team that has that much talent, yes, the depth might have not been there. But you have three of the best players in the league. You have a point guard. You have a shooting guard. And you got your you got your forward. You just got to put a few pieces around that, and they're set. So, not being able to do that does damage. And I don't want I don't want to be you know the guy that's always like oh that damages his legacy that damages his legacy. But looking at this situation, it does damage his legacy a little bit. It does, because to me it shows oh we're just giving up on a situation that fast. Look, he still has four years on his deal. If this was a situation where Kevin Durant did not have four years left on his deal and he was entering his final year and he's like, you know what? I'd rather go somewhere else. Let's be real. Okay, fair enough. You've played out your contract. You signed that five-year deal. And to any Brooklyn fan, it seemed like, okay, Kevin Durant is committed to playing at least these next three, four years for us. So when things gain hard... We're just going to run away? To me, that doesn't seem fair. And it doesn't seem not only fair to the Brooklyn fans, but it doesn't seem fair to Steve Nash. Look, Steve Nash came in and he already got a lot of scrutiny for being, you know, a former player. He didn't have any experience of being a head coach. But it seems a little bit unfair to just give up this quick. But I'm, I'm not here just to talk about Kevin Durant and all that, But because I, I want to talk about the future and the implications of what this means. And the first thing, if you're Brooklyn, you have to cut the losses. You have to. And I, and I know that there was a report that came out, and it seems like they're, they're pretty much on the same page, that they understand that they are going to probably lose Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. They have to understand that. And to me, that's the first thing you have to say and realize before you get any further in this um, process of moving two superstar type of players. Look, you brought them in. You thought they were going to deliver you a championship. They didn't. But you cannot hold on to that. And you can't keep reminiscing about the past. And that prolongs what you do with these players. You have to cut the losses now. You have to understand, look, we signed these guys. We thought they were going to bring us a championship. They didn't. We got to move on. It sucks. It really sucks because these are two phenomenal players. And I'm saying two because James Harden is now in Philadelphia. These are two phenomenal players that we did, but we couldn't get it done. Now, the name that you've been hearing a lot is Sean Marks, and that's the general man for the Brooklyn Nets. And it's interesting because he's getting a lot of the slack for this recent Kevin Durant trade. But I think 
there is an unnecessary amount of slack that he's getting, or slander, I should say, that he's getting. Look, the GM doesn't really, he's not the coach, so he's not, you know, day in and day out practicing with these guys doing this. He's making the move to see how can we make this team better. And, and this isn't just Sean Marks. We also have a guy like Rob Palenka. So the Lakers and Nets, they're kind of in this situation where, yes, you're the general manager, but there are players on your team like a LeBron James or a Kevin Durant who have so much pull and have such a big voice that it's hard to kind of silence them when it comes to what moves do we make for the team. And so Sean Marks had no option but to trade for James Harden a year ago. He had no option. Kyrie Irving and KD were almost insisting that James Harden come to the team. They were insisting. <laughs> so now, if I'm, <laughs> and this is totally off top, but if I'm the Houston Rockets, I'm looking at that trade and I'm saying, my God, did we not just absolutely win this trade? Did we not just win this trade? So, Moving on, let's talk about destinations because that's very interesting where Kevin Durant could go. But before we get into the destinations of where Kevin Durant can go, I want to talk about another trade that I think potentially affects where Kevin Durant goes. Rudy Gobert was traded on Friday to the Timberwolves in a trade that many people probably didn't see coming, shook up the NBA landscape, I think. Why did it shake up the landscape? It's not because Rudy Gobert is now the number five for the Minnesota Timberwolves, but it's because of the package that was given. In a trade for Rudy Gobert, the Timberwolves received Rudy Gobert, but the Jazz received Malik Beasley, Patrick Beverly, Leandro Balmero, Walker Kessler, who was just Timberwolves first round pick this year, Jared Vanderbilt, 2023, 2025, 2027, 2029 first round picks in a 2026 pick swap. And that 2029 is a protected pick. That is 10 assets for Rudy Gobert. Yes, Rudy Gobert. Look, Rudy Gobert is an all-NBA center. He has three all-stars. He's a three-time defensive player of the year. Uh, he has four t- he's a four-time all-NBA. Um, Six-team all-defense. All he's a great player. But is Rudy Gobert really worth 10 assets? And you know what? I would even say Rudy Gobert is a great player because he's not. He's really not. If we look at what Rudy Gobert actually contributes to a team, it's really not a lot. Yes, you can look at Rudy Gobert's stats and say, oh, wow, he averaged 15 points this year, 14 rebounds. Uh, he shot 71% from the field and 70% from the free throw line. I mean, that, that's pretty good for a, a center, right? But when you actually watch Rudy Gobert, and I want to say when you watch him in the postseason, because to me, the postseason, and to anyone's going to agree, is the most pivotal time for an NBA player. I mean, that, that, that's where you're watching peak basketball. That's where you're watching guys give it their all because they realize, oh, we only have four games. We only have to win four games or we only can lose four games. In this year's playoffs, Rudy Gobert was not only bad, but he was a liability. Offensively and defensively. 
And, and this isn't just in the postseason. If we watch Rudy Gobert, defensively, I don't understand how he has three defensive players of the year. Look, there's, he's a great shot blocker. And, and there, there's no gain around that. He's a f- fantastic shot blocker. In fact, he averages two blocks in his career. He had 2.1 this year. He had 2.7 the year before. There's no denying he can he, a really good shot blocker and a really good rim protector. But outside of that, he can't guard the one through four. And if he's matched up against a five who's anywhere athletic and has an outside shot, it's over for them. It's over for him. So I don't want to go too deep into Rudy Gobert, but what I'm trying to say is Rudy Gobert is a very average center in my eyes, and to the most NBA community he is. But he was just traded for 10 assets. 10. (laughs) So if I'm Sean Marks and I'm the Brooklyn Nets, I'm looking at that trade and saying, oh, well, man, if Rudy Gobert just got traded for, I mean, (laughs) basically a a factory of picks and a farm of players, why can't I just get Kevin Durant for a whole a whole franchise? <laughs> you know, like why can't I just get Kevin Durant for a whole franchise? Now, obviously no team's gonna actually give up, you know, seven, eight players and seven and eight picks for Kevin Durant. That's just unrealistic. And I think the Nets are probably gonna have to realize that. But it does, this Rudy Gobert trade, I think it does help the market, but it also hurts it. So now let's look at the destinations that I could potentially see Kevin Durant go to. And I think the top destination that we've heard a lot is the Suns. That is the Suns. Um, What came out earlier is that the Suns wanted Devin Booker in return. I don't see that they will do that. And also the, the Rose rule does not allow them to. You cannot trade for, basically you can't trade for a player. You can't have two players with on their rookie max on the same team and if you don't remember ben simmons is a brooklyn net um and we haven't even talked about ben simmons but ben simmons is a brooklyn net and he's about to be abandoned uh, by kevin durant and kyrie irving but um yeah you can't have two guys with a rookie deal so obviously they can't trade ben simmons i mean they, they can't trade devin booker but the sense is interesting but the Suns would have to give up a lot um and, and this is what i find very interesting about this kevin durant deal and wherever he goes and I, i'm very interested to see what happens Because if I'm a team that's contending, and I don't mean playoff team, like I don't mean championship contending, but if I'm a team like the Raptors, or I'm a team like the Grizzlies, or I'm a team like the Pelicans, or I'm like in those type of categories, why would I trade for Kevin Durant? Why would I trade for Kevin Durant? And I'm not saying why would I trade for Kevin Durant, because we all know the, the, the great player that Kevin Durant is, but realizing that if I trade for Kevin Durant, I would have to give up a package that would basically get rid of what I was building for the past three, four years. I'm looking at these trade proposals, and for instance, the Pelicans. One idea would be Brandon Ingram, Dyson Daniels, Jackson Hayes, Trey Murphy, and multiple first-round picks. It looks great on paper, but you're giving away four young guys who can develop into really good players. And Brandon Ingram's almost already at that level of being really good, or I mean elite. And a guy like Dyson Daniels is just drafted, who can be really good. Jackson Hayes, who maybe he's, you know, he's not a crazy great NBA player, but he fits well in his role. And Trey Murphy, who showed up in the postseason this this year. Why would I give up that much in return for Kevin Durant, who's great, but he's 34? How do I know he's still going to be that great player in four or five years? Where in four or five years, 
I could have these guys say, well, man, I'm, I mean, th this is a dynasty because I built through the draft and stuff like that. So to me, I would say that narrows the market a little. Not that these teams wouldn't be calling to see what, you know, what they want for Durant. But because why would I hurt what I've been building for the past three, four years to get a player who he's going to be phenomenal, but it's really just going to be him on the team. And then he's going to have a lot of other really not so great role players. And we've seen how that worked out in Brooklyn and well, they didn't win a championship. So to me, that narrows the list. And, and I think the hottest destination right now, or, and this shouldn't be the hottest, but I think two destinations that are very viable are the Utah Jazz and the Portland Trailblazers. What Portland has done, or I mean, what the Utah Jazz have done is very interesting. They traded Royce O'Neal to the Brooklyn Nets for a first round pick. Why? Why? And, and I don't want to, I don't want to steal anybody's, you know, flow, but Brian Windhorst said it best. And I, I'm not going to try to repeat what he said, but he did say it best. Um, and you could go check the clips all over Twitter or all over social media. Um, basically of him breaking down what is happening in Utah. So I'm not going to go further into that, but I think Utah is interesting. They have the picks. They just got, I mean, look, they just got a plethora of picks for Rudy Gobert. I would say they have the assets and they have the cap space. I mean, that checks every box if I'm me. Cap space, picks, players. I mean, it, it, it literally check, 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 right? Portland's also interesting because I think Portland can afford to give away some of their young guys because Damian Lillard is aging. And it's not Damian Lillard's like, oh, he's like one year away from being, you know, average. But Damian Lillard's getting up there in age. And Damian Lillard has not had success in the postseason. And I think Damian Lillard would like success in the postseason. And if you pair a guy like Damian Lillard and Kevin Durant together, man, oh man. With Jeremy Grant, who could be that great third option, why not Portland? Why not? So to me, Portland's the hottest destination. I think the Suns are a little bit unrealistic. I think the Heat are realistic, but I I think if I'm, if, look, I know Kevin Durant said it, that he would want Bam, Lowry, and Jimmy to stay on the team, but you got to think from the Brooklyn manager's perspective, they probably wouldn't be able to work that out in a way to get a feasible return for giving away an all-time great, like Kevin, <laughs> an all-time great score like Kevin Durant. So I, I think it leads to my question is, where is Kevin Durant going to go? <laughs> I, I think we just have to ask that question because none of us know. None of us are going to know until it actually happens. But I would, I would safely say that I would, I would not be shocked and I would be happy if he went to the Jazz or the Portland Trailblazers. Not that I'd be happy he'd be in the West, but I think I would be happy that those are two teams that if he goes there he makes them instant contenders because they have that other guy and they have another really good guard. Um, so that is it for today's podcast. I really wanted to get to Kyrie Irving and I wanted to talk about Kyrie Irving, but I felt that this was a just a really good KD podcast um, because of all everything that's happened. And, and obviously I'm going to get to more... Um, you know, more more stuff that happens in this NBA post offseason, I should say. The Jalen Brunson deal to New York was big. Uh, we saw a few other guys on the move. Not a, It's not a huge free agency class, I would say. So we're really holding out to see what happens to Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. But also, I will say to finish this podcast, I firmly believe that 
at the start of the 2022 NBA season, Kyrie Irving will be in a Lakers jersey. I'm going to say it now, and I'm going to say it till it actually happens because I firmly believe that will happen. Um, everything points towards that happening. I know it slowed down for a minute after he signed his, after he opted in, but I have a gut feeling that Kyrie Irving will force his way to LA and LeBron James will make it happen. Anyway, guys, thank you so much for joining me on today's podcast. And of course, I will not forget, we will be talking about the Big Ten and the USC and UCLA movement there um, in a podcast in the upcoming days. Anyway, guys, thank you so much for joining me on today's podcast. As always, I'm your host, Jude. Signing off.